So I am at Doc Train West uh, in 2008 talking with Joe Goldner. Joe, can you tell me a little bit about what you're presenting on here and just give a summary of it? Okay. Um, actually, I'm giving four talks here, um, and mostly they focus on the issue of looking at how we can uh, deploy better automation to support uh, content management systems. And basically that is summed up as people are doing too much work. Uh, they're not actually asking automation to do the things that automation today can do for them. So I guess three of my talks have really been championing that theme. Uh, the opening keynote was a little different in that it looked at XML and its history and I guess in a way uh, criticized uh, some of how it's, it's sort of been uh, hijacked by uh, application development concerns over the last 10 years. And, um, but the, the positive side is that with that out of the way, we're now looking at how we can use XML again to do the kinds of things that people are really interested in, the content. So all this is a happy story because automation is good, and now we're getting back to the harder work of how do we model, manage, and uh, deliver good quality content. Why is XML so important? It's a buzzword that a lot of people use and, and get excited about. Why? What's the, what does it do for people? I guess in the past I've described it as the last data type. In other words, from a technology perspective, what we desperately needed and didn't have as we came through the 90s was a universal way to exchange data. And with XML, we suddenly had that problem solved for us. Because of its extensibility, you can model uh, particular, basically any data type. And this is what we needed to solve issues with EDI. It's what we needed to solve issues with interoperability between applications. So the first part of XML's importance is that it solved a whole pile of problems that were basically crippling the technology industry. Uh, it's also and more deeply important because it has the ability to model the things that we really care about, which is the rich content assets. And it'll come up, uh, I'm surprised it's not getting more attention now, but things like all these knowledge assets that are being created, say, with Wikipedia, um, we can be doing a better job of how that content is actually stored and mined and reused and shared. Um, it's a useful re reference point, but we could be doing better. We, we know how to do this, and XML is really the key. And so that's come up here at the conference is how can we use XML to improve the structure and usefulness of things that we're you know, eagerly creating, like Wikipedia. That, that has been a really constant topic that's come up, is people evangelize wikis, but then you have content that's hard to get in and hard to get out. How does XML help with that? Well, um, it's actually done in practice, and to be honest, my team has done this now a couple of times where we actually have wikis where the internal storage format is XML. And uh, so it's actually not even very difficult to do. So it, it's, there's no good reason for us to not have better content stores behind these very, very attractive interfaces. Uh, so I think it's gonna, it won't take very long for people to move to something where um, all this content that's created in social networking environments is truly accessible. And uh, I've been on many projects where we've used a collaboration tool and then all they can really do is 
hopefully give you a persistent URL to go back and sign in and see what the team built. And you say, well, it should be straightforward to export everything into a form that we can all use going forward. And that you usually get the blank stare. Um, but there's no good reason for it. It's just that the people who are focused on some of the upfront interface experience pieces, they hadn't actually saw, sat down to think about the total life of the information that they were helping to create. Now, did you say, I think I remember, or, or somebody mentioned you saying that XML enabled much of the Web 2.0 technologies. Can you expand on that? Oh, sure. Um, basically, in providing an answer to these integration problems, XML gave us what we now call service-oriented architectures. And even before they were called that, basically by using web services or simple XML data interchange between applications, we were allowed, we were suddenly able as we entered the 21st century to stitch pieces together that had never been intended to work together. And some of the simplest forms of that, things like RSS, or <laughs> RSS, um, allow us to do that with almost banally simple XML, but with a huge impact. So one of the themes I touched on yesterday morning was that um, where XML has been most successful, it's by offering some access to simplicity. So whether we're looking at AJAX, editing interfaces, um, syndication, uh, just the, the literally the physical data format of things like blogs. At the end of the day, we're looking at uh, exceedingly simple uses of XML. So I, I, when I look at Web 2.0 and all the capabilities, I put on my X-ray glasses and I see XML everywhere. I see relatively flat, semantically uninteresting, but infinitely shareable content in XML. So it's a bit like the matrix. You know, I, I look at it and I don't see numbers. I just see XML and I see the information patterns that can be encoded using it. So it is, it's really just a, a technical plumbing thing, but I don't think people would have had the ability to start blogging, start sharing and, you know, commenting on each other, getting a, a ping when something changes. That was a, a an emergent property, as it were, of the fact that now we had an integrated technology infrastructure and XML was 100% behind that. Should help authors who are creating technical documentation be concerned if their content is not in XML? And, and what's your recommended solution for getting it into XML? Well, it, it's one of those cases where the answer, the best answer is always, it depends. If you're working in an environment, like a help, help authoring environment, and it is productive, like you can be very effective, it gives you the useful supports to make good quality content. My only question then is, can I get that content out? Can I get it all out? Every link, every nuance, can I, do I have the ability to export it into a form where I may be able to reuse it in other ways, in addition to the help functionality? Uh, all too often we have issues where people are attracted to tools that give them productivity. And we, you know, we can't begrudge them that. That's, that's why we use software tools. Um, but then it's shocking to find in this day and age, very often you go uh, save as or export or I'd like all my content out now and it doesn't all come out. And that's, that's unfortunate, but it's, it's most of the tools now give us the ability to get it out. Sometimes you have to do a little work and you have to sort of uh, play around a bit and read into the manuals to make sure you, you are getting everything out that you've worked on. Um, so as long as that can be answered in the positive, 
choosing the tool that you're comfortable with and most productive with is the best choice. And again, it's one of the beauties of now of XML and its popularity is that we really can get back to choose the tool you're most productive with, either individually or as a team. If you can get everything out as XML, then as we sometimes say, you're cooking with gas. So back to Web 2.0, um, WordPress is one of these blogging platforms that allows you actually to export your content into an XML format. But I'm never quite sure what I would, what I can do with that once I've exported it. What do you do if you have just an XML content that's tagged with XML? How do you work with that to put it into another format? Well, this is uh, the, the three other talks that I touch on about content processing. Is that, you know, as an individual with a blog, I may not ever find a, a business reason or a personal reason to export everything as XML, uh, other than perhaps archiving it saying in a few years I might be able to bring it out and put it into some other tool. But for corporations, anybody who's got lots of people doing corporate blogging, you know, some of our customers have thousands of bloggers internally. They have wikis all over the place. They have a community. They have communities of practice, software environments. Being able to turn all of that content into XML and then to run processes that would, let's say, store a searchable database suddenly converts all those individual thoughts or, dis- or small group discussions into a knowledge base that, you know, for argument's sake, a Boeing can leverage as this is sort of what my engineers were saying. And this can be profoundly valuable. And so this is why, you know, the value of XML increases. It sort of follows the network effect. The more people who have an interest in that content, the more valuable XML becomes because suddenly I can... You know, everybody can access it, and most importantly, it can be processed with high speed and high precision to then load a database, uh, to extracts, you know, to build views that individually uh, none of the none of the blogs or wikis actually give you. Dita is one form of XML. Do you have any thoughts on Dita? Do you think that's the way that tech writers should shape their material, or is that just one route for some people? Oh, that, that's an excellent question. And uh, in my opening keynote, I, I basically put a lot of support behind Dita. And uh, other people have since here at the show asked me, Joe, I've also heard you criticize Dita. So what's the real story? The first part of the answer is that Dita is a protocol, a standard based on XML, just like many others. And over the last 20 years, I can't count how many I've seen. So in that way, I look at it as just one possible choice. I do, even when I'm saying that, it's got some features that the others don't. In particular, an entire, what I call it, a specialization, hierarchy, infrastructure, an extensibility model, which other standards don't have, and which, from past experience, I know is critically important. So that suddenly moves DITA a little bit higher than the rest. Um, but that said, I still think DITA has a lot of growing up to do. It has grown up in a very, very specific industry sector, so software and computing hardware technical documentation. So technical writers who work on, say, aircraft or ships or really complex things, they look at the information models in DITA and say, oh, that's, that's too lightweight for us. And people on the DITA technical committee will immediately come back saying, oh, we can reflect anything. And as I mentioned in my talk, I said that's because they haven't really looked at really tough technical documentation. 
So I teased the data committee saying, well, this is good for lightweight technical docs. If you really want to do serious tech docs, then you have to bend data, sometimes break it. And some of our customers, who are sort of the most extreme users of technical documentation technology, we happily break and bend data, but we are working with it. So, yeah, so it is a ultimately an endorsement saying it's better to be with the mass crowd that's sort of forming around data than to be off on an island by yourself. It doesn't mean that data is perfect or that it it won't need to change in the future. What does your company do? Just tell me, I'm curious, I think it's called Stilo, is that right? That is correct. Yeah, so Stilo International, we're based in the United Kingdom, but our main development team is in Ottawa, Canada. And our specialization really is content processing. So hence my emphasis on automation. And it turns out that our core product, Omnimark, uh, which is very well known in, in sort of the, the, particularly the SGML community and basically anybody who does serious work with XML knows all about Omnimark. It is a programming language that was developed starting in the mid 80s to do high performance processing of textual content especially when SGML or XML are being used. So basically, anybody in the world who's converting more than, for argument's sake, 100,000 pages of something will almost always use Omnimark. Um, Almost all of the very large commercial publishers, uh, large aerospace uh, concerns, large defense environments, almost always use Omnimark because the volumes and complexities of the content are such you need high performance, high efficiency automation. So we're, we specialize in building these processing environments. And, uh, and it turns out all this growth of attention on content, the explosion of Web 2.0, people starting to use data, this is all very good news for us because it means they have more and more of it. Uh, we're also bringing out a new product called Stilo Migrate, which is a software as a service offering with sort of Omnimark on the inside. And it'll allow people, initially it's targeted at people with FrameMaker and Word and to help them migrate that content to Ditta. In your, in your workshop yesterday, you were talking about this rapid expansion of information, which you just touched upon here, or content, as you say. And you said that uh, every year, or a study found in 2002 that there were like the equivalent of 37,000 libraries of Congress equivalents of information formed every year. So with all this informa- all this content that's being created, is XML going to be the way that this stuff is managed and, and made, that we can make sense of it all? Yes. Uh, one of the, the less attractive consequences of XML is it turns everything to its most uh, verbose and longest f- expression. So on one hand, with all this information being created, turning it into XML actually makes it bigger. <laughs> and so that's a bit spooky. But at the same time, XML is our only way today to store all of that content in a form that we have any hope of being able to really leverage in the future. So I'd say across all those new libraries of Congress of content, people will have to, again, use the technology that they have at their disposal that helps them be productive. But the ability to export their content into an independent form, XML, will be critical to determining whether they'll be able to pick and choose amongst technologies as they come and go. So ultimately, XML has to be there as the the big fallback position. You can always get your content to XML. 
and then you can decide what you're going to do next. Joe, is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to share about XML or content management? One thing that comes to mind, and I did touch on it yesterday morning as well, was that from the perspective of the technical communicator, these trends should start to yield some benefits. In some ways, XML has been a a real aggravation for a lot of people. Like it can be very difficult to be doing your job and suddenly be asked to do all this work in XML. With DITA, with the advances in the automation we have, we should be able to have technical communicators working more comfortably with tools that they've chosen and still producing good quality XML. So in some ways, there's light at the end of the tunnel for people who are in the business of creating content. All right, Joe, thanks for talking with me today. I appreciated it. My pleasure.